I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. All right. Well, today I have the privilege of having in my chair my fellow colleague and makeup artist, Hung Van Gogh. Hung is one of the best known makeup artists in the industry with a strong foothold in both fashion and celebrity worlds. He is today one of the most in-demand makeup artists around. Originally from Vietnam, Hung moved to Canada as a child. After that, he relocated to New York City around 2006. And Hung began collaborating with fashion's top photographers, including Merton Marcus, Carter Smith, Craig McDean, Greg Cadell, Ben Hassett, and so many more. His work has appeared in pages of Allure, Elle, Interview, ID, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, and W. Hung has worked with major cosmetic brands such as Marc Jacobs, Lancome, and Calvin Klein, in addition to the A-list talents including Selena Gomez, Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Lopez, Julianne Moore, Katy Perry, Emily Ratajkowski, Giselle Butchen, and so many more. And with great honor, Hung, welcome to my chair. Hi, Quinn. Thanks for having Hi. me. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So the first thing I wanted to ask, obviously, the elephant in the room is, um, how have you been doing over COVID? I mean, I was a little shocked at first because I was always go, go, go. And, you know, I fly a lot to L.A. and everywhere and all of a sudden everything shut down. So um, I'm always trying to stay positive. But at the beginning, of course, I'm like most people, we in shock, a little bit depressed for sure. And, you know, I sit on the couch a lot. But then after that, I say, you know what, I can't just be like this, you know. Um, everyone yeah. in the same boat. I have to keep myself busy. And that's when I start working on different projects. How long would you say you were kind of in that? Because I was in it for a real, a long time. Like I would say, I would just say two weeks because I I I, I don't like to be the, you know sitting around too long. It's not it's never my personality. I don't like to get too comfortable uh, for too long. Uh, for me, doing nothing for two weeks is really hard. And so I try to stay busy after that. You know, I find different things to do and and um, um, yeah. For, I was going to say two months for me would have been good. I was in such a funk <laughs> for so long. I actually ju just feel like I'm getting out of it. And you're somebody who I know because, you know, we work in the same industry. It's actually quite small is that you work all the time. It must have been such a change for you to not be able to be working. Yeah, it was very hard because the thing is that like, I mean, like, I know in our business, we, uh, we live paycheck per paycheck, you know, most of us, you know, I mean, I'm lucky I have some saving, but it was a shock at first for sure. Um, so I was like, oh my God, uh, you know, how long this is going to go on? You know, you kind of, you know, like a little bit of the, a shock. Yeah. Um, I've so never not yeah. worked, right? Yeah. I'm sure I was like, I would never not work. Yeah. And then even like for me, normally when I have like three days off was like enough for me, you know, I'm not one of those who like the only time I take holiday was right now between Christmas and new year, I go to Vietnam, visit my mom and my family. So I stayed there for three weeks, but even in the three week I travel around the country. So it's not just sit around so this this part right now for the COVID part was really hard for us to for me to sit around for sure. Yeah. Did you did you get anything positive out of it? I think the best thing is that I got out from this is my YouTube channel. I mean, I um I think I use my time wisely, uh, for sure during COVID time. You know, to uh, put everything together and uh, start a channel. 
Um, and that's I why I definitely I did, yeah. want to talk about the YouTube channel, because was that something that you were ever thinking about before the pandemic? Yeah. I always, uh, the YouTube channel, definitely not because the pandemic, for sure. People, because I launched it in July, and in August, everyone thought because it, it is um, because of COVID, but it's not. I was uh, thinking about that for a long time. I was always insecure about my voice, my accent and everything like that. And um, I, I, I got scared and I didn't want to do it. But then when I was in Paris, um, in February, I was like, for sure, as soon as I get back, I'm going to start working on it. And then the pandemic happened. So that's why I didn't really start until August. Like I start in July, but we launched in August. Yeah. And what made you decide to go forget it? I'm going to look beyond my insecurities. And but the thing is, I like the thing is that like I, you know, like in our business, I mean, if you I mean, a lot of people don't know me, you do know me. I talk very short and a lot of time people come across uh, people don't know me. They come. I come across a little like very uh, how you say it's very like um, I mean, I'm a very ambitious and driven personality already. And then I talk the way I talk. I, I translate exactly how I say in Vietnamese to English, you know. In Vietnamese, you don't always say, um, like, give me a cake. They don't say, can you please give me a cake? You know what I mean? So that's how I talk. So, um, and uh, I would say the channel, maybe this is exactly where I, you know, express my, my myself and be myself and everything is of myself. I don't have to, there's no one guiding me or any anyone that approve for whatever so this is my own channel so that's what i want to do and um and i also want to be remembered when i finish in this career or one day when i'm no longer around and i thought you know the youtube platform is a great way you know you that's live really a, interesting yeah you live a legacy for yourself and you know what i see the change so much in makeup that, um, like, for example, my trainer, he have a daughter who is like 14 years old and she also get into makeup and his daughter would say to him was like, I don't think Hung put enough makeup on, you know? <laughs> so, and I can on see like, mind. yeah, I can see that because the kid nowadays, they watch on YouTube uh -huh. They don't watch makeup artists. They watch, you know, a lot of different people. And this is no shade of anyone, you know what I mean? And uh, right. I'm not saying that you're talking bad about anyone. It's just the makeup artistry completely changing so much. And I thought maybe for my channel can maintain something about the, the makeup artistry that how I was inspired before I got in the business. You know what I'm trying to say or no? So like for example, freer, yeah, like like, you're, you're the, the boss of what you're doing, kind of. Yeah, so basically when I got into business, I was like inspired by Kevin Ukon, Francis Norris, all those makeup artists, beautiful, you know? Like if you talk about those makeup artistry, then um, the youngs now, they wouldn't understand that. They wouldn't know what it is. They, they see like three layer of lashes is that's what you should do on the eye, you know? So I was like, maybe for my channel, there's a, a, you know, there is my channel. Maybe to, to I don't want to say to save, but to was like, 
to maintain the beauty of the makeup business that how I remember when I want to get into the business, you know? Yeah. And that's why I want to do the channel as well. And I say, this can be, you know, remember one day when, when I'm not around anymore, you know, this is the channel going to live for a long time. It's on YouTube there. And for all the young generation, they still can see the makeup artistry, you know, and the way I, it was supposed to be, you know, I've never even thought about that because it, it makes so much sense. Like before it was like you come out with a cosmetic line or a book to be yeah. remembered. But, you know, it makes sense that in this day and age, it would be on social media. Yeah, because, you know, like the Kevin Khan, we have books, but the, the young ones now, they don't go and buy makeup books. You know what I mean? They, right. they, they go and watch YouTube and they watch, that's where they watch makeup. They watch on Instagram, they watch YouTube and whatever available it is, that's what it is. You know, when they grow up, they don't know the difference. And, and uh, I don't want to say I'm a savior, you know, like for, for the business, anything, but I say, you know what, this is, an, uh, I can see a platform that for all the young generation, when they, when they grow up, they can see that's, you know, that's was, you know, part of the makeup artistry, not just the makeup, what is going on right now, you know? Um, that's really interesting. And I was going to ask you about this later on, but since we got right into it, I remember when um, Instagram came out and I didn't get on it right away. And I remember that you were one of the early makeup artists on it. And I always felt like you really understood how to utilize Instagram. And I mean, you have the last time I checked, let me check my notes here. I think you have 2.1 million followers or is that correct? Yeah, it is. Something, yeah, on Instagram, which is more than some celebrities have. How, what is it about you, your personality, or how did you know that that was going to be a thing? I don't think, I don't think how do I know what's going to be a thing. If you actually look back how I grew up is, you know, we moved from Vietnam, we came to refugee camp in Thailand, and we moved to Canada, we moved to Calgary, and I from Calgary, I moved to Toronto, and then I moved to New York. So I was never afraid of change and embrace change. So you see that my personality, like I always am, I always never afraid of change. Because I think that change is growth for me, you know, so I never it's a uh, people don't see that part, but it's just like, that how I see it. And, you know, um, I have a friend who work in PR, sent me Instagram like two years before that. I even started, I look at her old email, I was like, shit, you, you sent me this long time ago. I should have listened to you, you know. But even when I joined two years later, I was still an early on person to do it. I remember people making fun of me all the time, but I was like, you know what, you know, I can see, uh, you know, I can see potential because I love images. I love photos. And I was like, this is like a way to express your art you know i'm not very good at writing so i'm not very good on twitter for sure because you know compose a sentence on twitter it would like take me like 10 minutes to make it decent um so uh but photo i can and you know i can express i can see what's a good picture i can see i can take a photo and post it. so that's why instagram i love it more it's not because i see that it's gonna grow i didn't see that part you know, but right. you know, the, the people always tell me, you know, this is social media, is a, you know, the great platform to express yourself. You know, you choose to, to, um, you narrate it, um, you know, to, to, um, 
I would say your own narrative, you know what I mean? Like, you know, however you want to portray yourself, how you want to share yourself, it's up to you, you know? And that's why I thought it was great tune to do. Could so you was, feel when your Instagram took off? Because I, re- yeah, I remember seeing it going, oh, he's on to, like, I got in it, I, what I felt was too late. But I remember looking at your account and going, I just felt like you were already laps and laps ahead. And I thought, oh, wow, your account is blowing up. I mean, it, it, it is like, I think it's one, it's a one point. I think, I think, but it's not about glow, blowing up or anything. It's because when I start, there's a lot, people have a lot more followers than me. But I think, I think with Instagram, I think consistency is the key. I always tell people that when people ask me like why my Instagram grow, I think it's the consistency, you know, it, we, we feed in, we feed in like for me, um, I always think of trying to be consistent, you know, even like my YouTube every Monday, my Instagram, I'm trying to post every day, you know, the most I would go well without posting with two days, you know what I mean? Um, when I'm on holiday, it would be two or three, but usually I try to do everything every day. Uh, so it's like an exercise. So, um, I think that's a key for the Instagram to grow, you know, Hung, did you ever worry because uh, I don't know if the listeners know this, but the fashion side of our industry can be very um, kind of snobbish and, uh, you know, judgmental and whatnot. Were you ever conscious about put, what you would put on your Instagram versus what you thought, how you thought it would be perceived in the fashion industry? I was, I was a lot when I first doing that, but um, I was like, it was, I was never like, um, I mean, people are always very judgmental already beginning when I always get in trouble for taking behind the scene photo and post photo or anything like that. People always get mad at me. Editors and photographers always get mad at me, but I was like, you know what? I love it, you know? And then I do it. Uh, and yes, they, but you know, the same people who judge me about before, like I remember many photographers or stylists would like always give me shit, but always the one now is like, make sure to tag me or credit me you know so but at the time I did yeah they always have a uh, you know they have a hard time dealing with me because I always like no I have my Instagram to post today you know it's like well everything was so secretive it was like don't let anyone know what the collection is and all of this and now it's like no one's above it everybody yeah is is a part of it yeah so hats off to you I would love to hear about um I'm really fascinated with your story and I want to know, do you have, you said that you moved from Vietnam, which I visited last summer and absolutely loved the country. Um, And I think you you ended up giving me a lot of um, tips and pointers about what to do. Do you remember uh, being in Vietnam? What age were you when you left? I was very young. You know, I was literally very young when I left Vietnam. So I don't remember much until I go back. Um, And, but I do remember the the life I had in refugee camp, but not when I was younger. I just remember uh, because, you know, my mom basically want us to have a better life. And she basically just like, I just listened to my mom and to escape Vietnam with, with the people, pay people and took us, get out of the country. But um, I oh. didn't remember I was very young. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you my age, Quinn, sure. because... <laughs> Okay, young enough that you remember the experience. You remember- yeah, I don't. Yeah, I remember the experience for uh, young enough to remember experience. Yeah. But um, was it uh, scary? 
it is. It, it wasn't scary when I left Vietnam because I didn't know what I was getting to. I was so young that I didn't know exactly what I was doing. My sister and brother and I, we're all so young. So we just like, okay, our mom tell us to do this. And this is what we do, you know. Uh, I don't remember. But when we got to refugee camp, that's the scary part because we escaped Vietnam a tiny little boat and we got into the mud field, you know, the soft mud that it started getting stringing down and we got like the mud got my sister and I all the way to the neck. And we considered like within like two minutes later, if we didn't get rescued, we dead for sure. So that what I remember for sure. And my sister and I and other people got rescued from the Thai people, went from the big boat and they pull us. They threw a rope, a uh, big rope, and then pull us into their boat. And that's how we got rescued. Those one always gonna vividly, I remember vividly for sure. And then we stay in refugee camp for three years. Um, in Thailand. In, in Thailand. And uh, so those part, like I, I, I remember very clearly. But the, the, the when the younger, you know, the life in Vietnam, I don't remember much for right. sure. Yeah. And so you eventually ended up making it to Calgary. Is that right? Yeah, Calgary. So basically, uh, the hotel made in 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 Cal. One of the hotel made in Calgary. Uh, sadly, she passed away already, but she was the one that sponsored my family over from the refugee camp over. And then uh, we stayed with her for a bit and she was helping us to find uh, like a studio for my brother and sister. And I lived there. How did you get hooked up with her? Uh, she basically she do a lot of volunteer and she went to uh, like immigration, um, you know, office and she seen photo of us. And that's how she won a sponsor over. So do you remember um, learning English? Like, did you just go to school and that's how you learned? Yeah, I went to school, but that's, that's a, this is a problem. It's my English is never great and my Vietnamese is really bad. So I don't really have like a full fluent language, really. It's, it sounds really funny, but because when I was in school, I was never, I was more shy than, way shy than now. And it's surprisingly, but I was very shy. And um, I never really interested in school about learning languages and or anything. I don't even talk to much people, many people. And I always interested in art, you know, like, you know, photo and art and always my thing. And, you know, always that what I interest in. And um, I was never interested in like, um, you know, anything to do with beside art. And um, so when I graduate from high school, so that's when I get into hair school, because I thought, you know, that's why I want to be because in Calgary, I never, never hear of anyone who um, a makeup artist making a living. No, I have. I tell people that, too. It's like now I mean, my niece does makeup and she's actually quite good, you know, like at nine and everybody knows about makeup. But when we were coming up, I mean, really, there was unless you knew the inside of the fashion industry, there were no kind of role models within me. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I think Kevin O'Quan for me, too, was one of the first people and Stefan Marais and, and those. Yeah, uh, my two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah because of the books and because they were on Oprah and because they got some kind of notoriety. But um, I imagine that if you weren't in New York city, you would have to have known how to do hair. Um, I, you well, in Calgary, I was doing both. I, and then I started doing makeup. I doing both until I moved to New York. Wow. 
So I, so I, what, I was. Were you the the big guy in Calgary before you came? <laughs> to New York? <laughs> no, you went to, I, Toronto, I, I, to Toronto. I thought. No, I did. I did well in Calgary as a hairdresser. I was never like working full time as a makeup artist. Uh, hair was a gift. When I was in Calgary, actually, I did do very well with hair. I actually entered a lot of like hair contests in Calgary and Canada, and I won a lot of them. So people know me as uh-huh. a hairdresser, but never the makeup artist. So when I quit hair, it was a shock to everyone for sure. And it was like a gift that you don't love. You know, like I was right. very gifted at doing hair, but I never love it. You know, it, oh, it is man. like... Yeah. All the hairstylists listening to this are going to get real nervous knowing. No, that no, they all hair. know that now. I, I, when I first moved to New York, you know, people advised me was like, don't tell people you have a hair, his, uh, the hair background, because that way people are going to like, you know, you know, say something. And, and I, so I always pretend I don't know anything about hair, but then now, and you know, like everyone knows that now, like I'm not, you know, like right. I always have a little opinion about hair and, the term I use was never like uh, they understand like a, a real hair term, you know, so they know what I'm talking about. So it's not a secret anymore. Yeah, uh, that's funny. So you ended up uh, in 2006, you ended up moving to New York to start a career in makeup. Yes. What did I mean? What did you do? You moved here with just what? Uh, I, I basically, I live in Toronto for three years and the same agent that I have in Calgary also have an agency at the time in Portland, Oregon. And I want to move to New York from Calgary right away. And then he said, I don't think you're ready yet. It's a big city. You know, you need, you need to work on your craft first before you even, you know, you learn the business before you even uh, should move to New York. And then that's why I moved to Toronto, which is like a bigger city in Canada where like the central fashion of Canada. Right. So I moved there and I quit the salon. I completely just do freelance and got an agency there. And uh, I worked there for three years. And then I was like, I, uh, and again, I did really well in Toronto. So uh, it, it was very blessed. I did really well. And I was like, I grew out of that because Toronto is very small. So there's, there's only like a certain amount of job that you could do. And I did really well in three years. And you hit the and glass ceiling. I, I did really well. Yeah. So the, the agent was like, why don't I think it's maybe you should move to New York. And, but I don't know how I'm going to move here without working papers. So he actually used his agency in Portland to do a sponsorship for me to the state. So I live in Tron. I live in New York, but at the time my sponsorship was in, in Portland and I didn't have an agency for the first year I was here either. So basically I keep, I live here trying to get an agency, try to get some work. And then I keep flying back to Canada, do job there that people that know me, book me and then make some money and fly back here. And that's why I did. Wow. Did you work that year? In New York? Barely anything, really. Like, I honestly, all my saving in Canada, and I basically just use up the whole time I live here, the first year, basically. Yeah. And did you assist at all? Uh, I didn't. I actually was going to. I was open to. But I remember um, one of the agents I met was Tim Howell, who is no longer in the business, I think. He would sit down with me, and he sit, like, for half an hour, and he was like, your work is very beautiful, but... Um, I don't think you should assist because 
you have clients that you work in at the time I do like a few of the, you know, like high end clients like in Canada, a whole rent through and all those clients that still booking me all the time. And I say, you know, once you assist them one full time, it's mean that you give up all those commercial jobs. You're not going to make enough money to live in New York unless you come from, you know, a family with some money because right. you know right now do you have a lot of saving? And I say, I don't think I have any left. And they say that I don't think you can assist. Why don't you go try on your own? And that's why I did. So and, how did uh, you know how to do makeup? Uh, no, I, I basically in Calgary, I always start practicing makeup. So I, I do hair and makeup at the same time. And when I was in Toronto, I mainly do makeup only. I don't even do hair anymore. It's just styling hair. But you as Hong Van Gogh and you, you've been doing hair and now you're going to do makeup. How did you know even where to start? It's self-taught. I really self-taught before tutorials, really. Yeah, before all the YouTube tutorials and stuff like that. It's a, it's the passion, it's the love, really. You know, I think here you need to get training, but makeup, I think, is an art. And I think, I don't, I don't think you can, anyone can teach you art, right? I mean, colors and all those kind of things. It's hard to teach someone. I think it's the eye that you have, really. Who did you practice on? Um, I mean. The age and I have in Calgary, he's more like a friend. So I practice all the, his model, you know, the local model, you know, people I work in the salon and I start doing local little shows and little job there. And I do weddings and everything, grad, graduation and everything you, that you can imagine. Yeah. Did you make any mistakes? I think, I think even now you still make mistakes, but you, that, that's why you have tried and error that you, you know, you, um, that's going to grow from it, you know? Right. But um, okay, so when you started to start this as a career, you're out of high school. How did your mom take that? How was that? Possible? Oh, my family is never uh, the only one was supportive. What I do is my brother. Um, he actually like professor university, so he's very like you know like open minded, and he's always believed that you know do what you love, doesn't matter what it is, okay. and um, so he always very supportive. Um, but my, the rest of my family, uh, they're not very proud of that. You know, my, my mom, I think like, cause I'm come from Vietnam and basically in Vietnam, that's the last job the parent want the kid to do, especially a boy. They think it's a kid that, you know, they do makeup. You see someone who cannot finish school and that's why they do makeup. It's not because you want to do makeup, you know? I mean, it's changing now a day is not, but at the time, you know, this is like 20 years ago, basically almost, um, so it's not something my mom proud for sure, but I mean, I always very strong minded since I was young until now and I just go for it. So you, you know? never, you never let that slow you down at no, all? No, it's never, it's never, it's never my personality. I never let things like, I just keep doing what I want to do, you know? Yeah. How does she feel now about it? I think she is proud, but my mom is a type of person. She would never say it to me. Uh-huh. So we're not that kind of family. My mom would never like for example now she watching every my all my YouTube. She watched everything what's going on and she would talk to me about that on the phone, but she would never like say I'm proud of you. Like it's not like it's not how we grew up. So it's really hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think that your hustle comes from being an immigrant from Vietnam and the experience and having to survive? Or is that something that you were just born with as yourself and it would have been there anyway? I think part of that, 
was the first part you say, you know, in immigrant and refugee and everything like that, that for sure. But part of that, I got it from my mom. My mom is definitely, I think I inherited that from my mom for sure, personality for sure, because she's very strong, you know, minded like me and she's single mom with six kids, seven kids. You know, so she I grew, know you know, you had six other siblings. Yeah. And so where she, are you in the, in the order of that? Uh, I'm the youngest one. Of course you are. The youngest yeah, so, one yeah. always gets to be the artist and do what you want. And the oldest one obviously like becomes a doctor or something. <laughs> for the family. So, so, but I think, I think it's, so it's part from my mom and part from my being immigrant for sure. And because, you know, like I, you know, I, 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 I've learned to appreciate every opportunity out there. You know, I, 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 do I you just have a different sensibility. What do you mean by because that? Because in your, your terms of your work, I, I know you that you work a lot and I think that you are somebody who values the um, hard work and you take pride in it. And I wonder, I'm wondering if that comes from your upbringing Definitely for sure. And I also, to be honest with you, because like, it's not like I need my family validation that I'm doing well, but I think it's part of that as well. You know, it's like, I know that my, when I start in this business, my family is, it's not a career that my family be proud of, you know, when I do it. So in my heart, like, you know, I want to do really well. So my family, you know, have no shame to say my son is a makeup artist, you know, because I remember I didn't, I know about this. My mom didn't tell me, my family didn't tell me, but when my mom, before my mom, when she go back visit Vietnam and people ask about me, she would change the story and she talked about my brother because my brother, like I'm not, listen, my brother is like my biggest cheerleader and he's like one of my best friend, you know, my best friend, not just one. And, uh, but, uh, I know that my mom was like chained the subject and talk about my brother because he is, you know, professor, you know, PhD university. So it, uh, there's no competition between my brother and I for sure. But I know in my heart, I was like, I want to do well. Just like one day, my mom doesn't have to like change the subject when people ask about me, you know? Have you ever so, been noticed in Vietnam? Have you ever gone back? Oh, they know me in Vietnam now. So the, the, the internet, the internet, they, they do write about a lot about in Vietnam. People in Vietnam, they do, the, the media do, do know because, you know, once you do well in the state, I think like they, they know about that for sure. That must be the, the, such an amazing feeling after everything you've done to go back to your homeland and have a name for yourself. Yeah, but the best part is like, I remember when I first go back to Vietnam, it's more fun because people don't know you. Uh huh. You have, you go fun, you go eat, you, you know, anything, you don't have to worry now because the, the internet that people notice who you are, that's from Instagram, from social media, you lose that privacy for sure. And I'm, I'm sure now with the YouTube, there's no way you can hide it, you know? Um, so you gain some, you lose some for sure. You lose, you gain that your family, they'd be proud of you, but you lose the privacy for sure. So, yeah, they're both valuable. I, I know that. So Tung, when you, so you were in New York and you were, um, you know, struggling to kind of get your foot in the door. It's a big city. It's hard to do. And, and making your money back in Canada. What, when, when did you get a break? My break would be, uh, this is, um, funny used to say is when I was in Toronto, uh, no, when I was in Calgary, there's a part that I forgot to mention is that when I was in Calgary, I did really well as a hairdresser, 
a salon in Montreal basically came to me and I was very young. I was like in early 20 and they was like offered me a creative director uh, of the salon in Montreal. It's like a big 40, 50 people salon. It's like a big salon there. And I was like, are you serious? And they did. So basically for the first, for six months, I, f- I fly back. I flew back and forth from Montreal and, and Calgary, two weeks in Calgary, two weeks in Montreal. I work in the salon there for two weeks and then Calgary for two weeks. And um, after that, I say, you know what? I'm not going to do hair anymore. That's when I moved to Toronto for good. And I quit both of the place. Um, but the part in Montreal was when I work in the salon there, they're an assistant that they, they have for me. And he was someone I became close friend with. And when I moved to New York, he was also already lived in New York. And he worked in an agency here who rep Helena Christensen. It's a, it's a time, it's a one model. His name is Christopher Michaels. And that same, my assistant there was the one that who introduced me to Helena and that consider was my break really because I got her first, my first shoot with Helena. She likes the makeup a lot and she recommend me for, she requests me for many other shoot after and everything accolade after that. That's amazing. I've known that you've worked with her for years, but I had no idea that she was actually the one to discover yeah. you really. Yeah. Wow. So basically like I did like my first, because every single editorial I do here was so small and then the the editor with numeral shoot with Helena was the biggest one at the time for me. And then that was because my own assistant was the one that pushing me for it. So and you're I, you're you always have to be available to Helena at this yeah. she's she has been a cheerleader for years. She's been in Guardian Angel for years for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. And then so from Helena, did you did you not think that you wanted to do because this was a different time? There definitely was New York was fashion, LA yeah. was way more celebrity. Did you know what you wanted to do? I always want to work in fashion. I always thought I want to work in fashion. You know, uh, the agency at the time, they always recommend me to do celebrity. I say, no, I love fashion, you know, because, you know, growing up reading fashion magazine and then, you know, one thing after the other, I did one celebrity and then it shipped, you know, slowly. And then now it's like half and half, I think, you know. I've seen the fashion industry also mainly does celebrity now. So the two worlds are more intertwined than ever. I think it's more, it's more like, I don't want to say forgiven, but it's more like there's a blur line now. But at the time when I first started doing celebrity, people was like the fashion people kind of looked down on you basically. Right. That was was definitely a real thing. It was like there, people who do celebrity are inferior because they, they aren't good enough to do fashion. Fashion. Yeah. Right. So how do you, how do you, you have a strong foothold in both. Is that, do you have a different approach when you're going to a shoot versus when you're doing a celebrity client? I mean, a lot of time now when I do a fashion shoot, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, like I used to work in fashion before I even do celebrity, you know, they always like, Oh, don't do makeup like the red carpet, you know, like, of course you want to strangle them for sure. Because you know, it's a two different events, you know, you do makeup for shoot and the red carpet completely different. Can and you I understand that. In your opinion, what is the difference for people who aren't To pro? me, to be honest with you, to me, it do do amazing makeup on red carpet is so much harder than do amazing makeup for editorial. 
because editorial, you have lighting that you can depend on, you know, like you, you can make your makeup look good or you, you can have retouching after you can do all those things, you know, but for red carpet is like, there's no forgiving there. You know, the light is, could be horrible and anything could change your makeup. So, uh, so it's a lot, you know, of course, like you do a lot more heavier than editorial for sure. Unless the editor have a theme, you know, uh, uh, to have with a lot of makeup. But I find that red carpet is very hard. You know, it's a different boy for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When you say heavier. Are you talking about coverage or are you talking about um, the, the, the artist? I think, I think, I think about the blending, the coverage and everything, you know, because you, it's 360, right? The picture can take anywhere, you know, like for example, for a photo shoot, if I do a beauty story, it can only shoot on the left eye. I don't have to do on the right eye, you know? Right. You know, like, it's just like, I don't have to do that. You know, or we shoot it. It's just, it's like that. So it, if you, for sure, you're going to shoot to the red left eye, the close up the red eye. You, I don't have to do the right eye, but for, 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 for red carpet, it, uh, you know, the photo can take from every angles. You have to do the makeup that prepare for flash or good lighting or bad lighting, you know, and, and on photo shoot, you, the lighting is light, you know, it's lit for your makeup, you know? Exactly. So it's a huge difference for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, but at this point, are you equally comfortable in both? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable. And of course I like might, the way I work for each is going to be different for sure. Yeah. And again, it's, as I say earlier, try and error, you know, like it takes years to, to kind of like find the niche. What is the good balance that the makeup doesn't look too heavy, but still look like flawless on red carpet, you know? Right. Uh, and, and, and the same thing, as, as, you know, like on photo shoot, like, you know, you always remember that you need to be a bit more lighter on the skin or anything like that. So, you, you know, it's a, it's a balance for sure. Yeah. Has your makeup changed over the years? I don't think my makeup changed over the year, but I have to say that um, I think my makeup getting better for sure. But, uh, but, the, uh, but the style, my aesthetic, I don't think that much different from before, you know, uh, my appreciation, you know, about skincare and everything like that is always there. It's never changed at all, you know? Right. And do you ever get, does anything make you nervous anymore? No. No. Like you no. could be in a burning building and you'd just be like, I'm fine. No, I don't think so. I think, I think, I think, I think, you know, you, yeah, I don't think I get nervous like that at all anymore. No. Even with um, a challenging client? I think like if you look at me, I work with some of the most strongest, you know, women, uh, you know, in Hollywood, but I mean, I mean, I'm used to that, you know, and I think I have a very strong personality too. So, so did you just come in from day one, having that kind of assertion and um, confidence or is that something that you developed? Um, I always have the confidence for sure, but I always have my mind. It's always like I have nothing to lose, you know? I mean, I, I move here. Definitely. I, I always say to myself that I moved to New York for a better career, for a bigger career. And I came here with a purpose. I came here with a dream, you know, and that's why I always say to myself. So, um, that does build the confidence in me for sure. You know, 
Right. And uh, you, in your head, you always like, you know what? A lot of time, you know, at the beginning of my career here, of course, you put up a lot of stuff and, you know, you have to bite your tongue and you go home, you just let it go, you know? Uh, and you keep saying to yourself, I say, okay, you know, just forget that's just another day. You here, you just remember, stay focused, what you're here for, you know? And um, yeah, so Everyone I guess- Everyone has a bad day at work, no matter what. When yeah. you go to a job- and you and it doesn't go how you thought it was or whatever. What do you? How do you deal with that? Even if you're not doubting yourself, but it's just not a match, or you know, you just know that you and that client are not a match together, or whatever, or you don't have the same vision as the art director. What do you do? For me, is if I have I do a job with a client that I really don't think is a match. And I would, uh, that's the first time I work with her or with a client. I would try to do the best, more than the best job that I could ever do. And I never say yes again. Uh-huh. <laughs> even, if, whatever, even if they offer you the most amount of money? Then it's oh, you, you can ask the agency. That's for sure. That's for sure about my personality. Right. I never say yes again. I, you know, I'm too proud, you know, like immigrant. Yeah, that I don't, uh, I just can't. Are you Sagittarius? Yes. Yeah, me too. I, I yeah. recognize the fire. Yeah. So, so I has, would never. Has, yeah. has I want for lack of a better word, has your pride or ego ever gotten in your way? Have there been times that you look back and said, "I should have bent more. I should have, you know, conformed." I'm not sure. Can you repeat the question again? As a have prideful you- person, you know, have you ever looked back and thought, "I should have." compromised more or I should have um, not let my ego get in the way of, you know, what I could have done. Uh, I mean, of course there are time, there are, there are time that you, you know, but I think everything happened for a reason. You know, I don't, I, 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 I like to try to move forward for sure. You know, there are many deals in the past that I was like, I walk away from it because, um, I just, I just know that in the long term, I won't be happy. And uh, at the time, it could be like a rush decision. But I, I, I think like I have to go with my gut as well, you know. And uh, it's not about the ego or you have too much pride. But I think you have to go with your gut. You know, sometimes your gut tell you thing that you should listen to, you know. Yeah, I mean, that way you can sleep at night, you know. Yes, not- yeah. Because I think in this industry, what a lot of people don't understand is that when we're not only paycheck to paycheck, but we're option to option. We get jobs, they come and they go and yeah. you can have three different options come and go in an hour. <laughs> so you, you have to find some kind of way to build a thick skin about it. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yes. Um, what is the one thing that you have that you feel like you have had to work on that maybe didn't come naturally to you, be it anything? Um. I think what come is, I think the language is definitely the, the part and, and how I talk, how I phrase my words better. And I think it's like, I mean, uh, as, as my age right now, it's still like a child still in that part, because for me, uh, I talk so short. Uh, I, I, I talk like it is, you know, it's, it's, it's very offensive people. And I think I have to word my, you know, I have to learn to word my, uh, you know, what I want to say better. And, um, you know, so that's something I'm still struggling for years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What is, 
Okay, so beyond the success of your of your job, which is undeniable, what's really important? What is really important to Hong? I think is important is to be happy, and I know we all say that. But the thing is that for me, um, I think doing what you do is definitely important. Uh, I think like a lot of people look at me and say, "Oh my God, he always working easy and he's tired all." Because for me, it sounds fake and cheesy. But you know, if you do what you love, you don't feel like you you know like you work because I enjoy. Going to work doing makeup, you know, yeah. um, uh, and I think that's important. And of course, like for me, I think it's like something I'm still working on as well is trying to find a balance to have a personal life and a work life. And I know a lot of you already established that, but for me, it's something. It's my goal. It's to still trying to balance that for sure. Is it important for you? It's definitely more important for sure. I think the older you get, the more you realize that you need more than just like a work life, and uh, you know. And my goal is to have a more balance, you know, in maybe two thousand twenty-one. Mm-hmm. So that's really a goal for sure. Yeah, I think too. I mean, this is projection, but as a Sagittarius, this kind of um, this kind of job is suited for us. We love to travel and to get on a flight and go and whatever. And so not everybody is made for this industry in terms of the, the transientness of it and all of that. Does that suit your personality? You mean like the, the, the travel, the travel and, yeah, the uncertainty and the travel and, and the not like being t- ground in one place. Yeah, it is. It is definitely very tiring for sure, but it's like part of the job that you can really not really avoid it, you know? It is, it is definitely tiring because before COVID, I fly at least twice a week, at least, you know, and uh, it's very tiring. Sometimes I fly back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, LA, New York for like three or four times a week, you know, and it's very, very hard for sure. But I always say myself, there's a lot of people wish to work as much as I do or want to have the opportunity to do what I do that I cannot. So I have to take that. I shouldn't take that for granted and appreciate it, you know? And yeah. that's, what I always say to myself, you know, at the airport, I'm always say, I know it's tiring, but I say, you know what? There are many people that wish to be in my shoes. So I was like, there's no way I, I take that for granted and not appreciate it, you know? Absolutely. And I think too, that I know now as an adult that anyone you see who's successful yeah. are working at their limit. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't happen to people unless they're willing to do that. Yeah. Um, I think you might agree with me, but we you know we both work with a lot of high profile people and very successful people. And um, I don't meet many people who are successful that lazy. You know, they might say on the interview that it was like they were just chilling, but you know, they're all working very hard. You know, anything. It's just like, it's hard. It's, yeah, I think it's like in order to stay, be successful in any business, you have to be hardworking, and that's the key. And also, um, they sacrifice a lot. And there's yes. nobody who doesn't sacrifice time with their children or time yeah. with their, you know, significant other or yeah. t- sleep. There's, but nothing comes for free unless, you yeah. know, it does. <laughs> yeah. And I always, I always say to my assistant, even like I always explain to them, I was like, you know what? You live in New York. There are thousands and other, you know, makeup, successful makeup artists as amazing, talented makeup artists whether the same talented as you or more talented than you, but you know what? 
the only way that you can go further in the career is that you have to work harder than them. And that's why I always tell them that, you know, if you're willing to make sacrifice like that, then you're going to have a chance to make it in New York. You know, if you just want to work the pace that you want to work and you are trying to enjoy your life and having fun, there's a, there's a very little chance that you can be successful in the career because you have to make some sacrifice for sure. And the industry now is so oversaturated. Yeah. There's so many more hair and makeup and yeah. stylists than before that it's really competitive. Yeah, I find sure, it yeah. very competitive. Um, yeah. Hung, do you have a favorite uh, red carpet moment? Uh, there's many of them I like. I think I love the one I did with Emily Radoskowski for the Emmy because that was a very bold look, you know, like the bluish, you know. Oh, right. I remember um, that. Yeah, that one. I love many. The one I love with uh, Jennifer Lawrence for the Oscars. I love a lot of the look I did with Kate Bosworth, um, you know, Selena. It's I mean, always fun. Yeah. I mean, so like and there's like, quite a few. It's hard to choose because, you know, you like each of them for a different memory, you know. And also when you go in for those shows, do you have an idea of what you want to do or how is that conversation with uh, usually if like a big award, usually the stylist and, you know, hair and makeup, I'm sure you did already. We all have a group chat and then they send us photo. We start with the outfit, you know, right. I use that. You can't just say, Oh, I'm going to do this makeup without knowing what the client going to wear. Or, you know, you always have to know what the event is. You know, that's the first thing, what the outfit is and try to understand like, what the red carpet would look like or the background of the red carpet would look like as well too, if you could find out first. And then you can work from there and then you can propose the hair makeup first or you, um, you, you discuss there. I'm the type of person, I'm not, the, I'm not very good with like show you the, the, the JPEG of the photo and say this is exactly the look I'm doing. I think most of my clients that work with me already, they know that I... I'm the type of person I can explain a little bit, but I, I know better when I start working on the face and, you know, I always change my mind a little bit here and there. So when people give me more freedom, I do a better job than, than put me in a box, you know what Absolutely. I mean? So that's, the, that's how I work, yeah. Do you ever change your mind midway all the through? Time. Like, oh, this all, isn't it? All the time, yeah. But I'm, I'm always trying to act cool a little bit because, because you don't want to, you don't want to freak out people, you know? Right. Uh, because sometimes you was, oh, you want to completely change. Yeah. You, you see it's more like change my mind about lipstick color or anything like that. But the eye, you see, I'm pretty consistent for sure. Yeah. Wow. And, um, the last thing I wanted to get to with you, well, one thing before that, what is, what do you think the biggest misunderstanding is about you? Um, <laughs> I think I think it's just because I always come across very like um, uh, it's hard. I don't know because they don't tell me. But I think because, <laughs> like I say earlier about how I talk, I'm very talk very short and very blunt, and uh, a lot of people come across very snobbish and a little bit more like rude. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's just like, but the thing is like, it's just the, the culture a lot of way, you know, I just remember, for example, like I remember Rosie Huntington where I do a video with Kate Bosworth for YouTube and they recreate a look that I did on Kate Bosworth. And then they would, they were calling me to, um, 
to uh, to ask me my opinion about the the, the um, um, uh, about the look. And then I was at an event, and my phone kept calling, 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 and then I keep hang up. And then finally, I keep seeing Rosie FaceTime me and calling me, and I pick it up and say, "What do you want?" <laughs> but she, but she keep the whole thing as a conversation on her YouTube channel. So all I hear was a comment on her was like, "How rude this guy! How he even exists in the business?" And I get so many message from. People watching the video say, "I can never, can't believe how rude you are as a makeup artist." You know, she call and you know and ask your opinion, what you thought about the recreation of your look, but you were so rude and all those kind of things. Rosie thought it was funny; she kept it there because she know my personality. Right. But people she don't know me. Yeah, so I can perceive people can perceive me like that kind of personality for sure because they're yeah but you're really a, sure. a nice guy underneath it all i wouldn't say i'm a nice guy but i treat people with principle you know i wouldn't like you know, for me like i'm a very driven person and it can be freak out a lot of people but for me like i wouldn't do everything that do anything that i don't think is gonna like that karma you know what i mean like you know like it's just like that, that that's how I see. You're it, not out you know? to hurt people or harm people. No, are you? I, I'm 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 like I say, uh, in the business, people it's like everyone know it's no secret that Hung is so ambitious and you know driven something like that. But you know, honestly, my competition is myself. You know, that's how I see it, and I I, I always push myself and work hard myself. Um, you know, so that's that's sometimes uh, you know the the ambition can 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 scare people people think it's a little crazy too much you do you, know? do you, that's for sure so you don't compare yourself to others no i'm a very confident person i wouldn't see myself as a competition as someone else i see myself competition as myself you know so yeah if you were able to step into a magic time machine and go back in time back to yourself and you were able to tap yourself on the shoulder what would you say and where would you be? I don't know. I'm happy where I am right now. And I think I'm happy, you know, I tap in my shoulder and happy that way I'm, you know, how far I came. So no regrets. Yeah. And then finally, I was wondering if we could wrap this up with a little game. It's kind of like on Tinder when you see someone, if you um, swipe left, if you're not into it and you swipe, swipe right, if you are. So I'm just going to ask you a couple questions and uh, you can tell me swipe left or swipe right. Okay. Okay. So the first one is contour. Uh, swipe right. Okay, I have my reason because I think when I work in fashion, I don't appreciate much contour. I appreciate more now that I work on red carpet and with the lighting, everything that I think a little contour shading is so much better for face, especially red carpet. And and when I say contour, doesn't mean all those heavy contour. You still can do right. very soft and blended and subtle contour to frame the face. So that's what's my your version of contour. Yeah. Okay, cut crease. Uh, no. I don't do it. Swipe I left. don't do it. So it's uh, swipe right. I uh, swipe left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about concealer under and over the eyebrow? Swipe left. I uh, swipe left. Yeah. Yep. That's a no. No. Okay. Um, what about a one color wash for the face, meaning um, the same eyeshadow, lip, and cheek? Swipe left. I like dimension on the face, so I don't think that's a yeah. 
you're not using a multiple all over the face and everywhere. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a mistake. Right? I mean, like one product you for the whole face, you mean? Sure. Like, yeah, like using, say, like a, the one creamy color on the eye, the lip and the cheek and having it be. Oh, like a monochrome one, makeup. Yes. Oh, yes. Wait, right. Yeah, I, I, that's I missed okay. it. Sorry, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. ask that very well. Um, glossy lips. I don't use lip gloss often. It's not. So I'm, I would say swipe left. Okay. Spider lashes. Left. Okay. Animal print eyes. Left. <laughs> Colored mascara. Um, left. Okay. Overdrawn lips. It depends. So it's hard to say because, you know, like depend on the girl, depend on the client. So I might have, depend how you do it as well, you know? Okay. So that sounds like a right. So to it's me. a right. If yeah. it's done well. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about extra long wear lipsticks? Left. I feel, Ooh, I feel, I feel that lips is, should always feel sensual. I'm never big into like liquid lipstick either because I like lips. It's like, I, I like lips you have soul in there. Is that make you understand what I mean? Like sensual soul. That's why I think lips, you should always like reapply them because, you know, after a while when those long wear lipstick is have like that little white there, the little dry crack. I never love it. I think it's very, oh, yeah. yeah. So if people want to have um, celebrity like makeup, what they should learn is that it involves a touch up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Um, white eyeliner. Uh, left. Okay. Um, matte skin. Uh, right. Matte okay. skin, you mean, right? Matte. Yeah. yeah. Right. Full coverage foundation. Uh, depend, but I guess right. Okay. Perfect eyebrows. What is your definition of perfect, though? I, I'm not explaining it, Hung. What I'm just telling you, perfect. It's okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what, Hung? I really, um, this was super fun. I think people um, are going to hear a side of you that they haven't heard before, and I can't thank you enough for uh, being in my chair. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Quinn. It was fun, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank Take you. care. Thank you. Bye.